Thanks for listening to Julie Goodnight's Horse Master Academy podcast, presented by Smooth Stride Riding Jeans. We'll take on a new horse training or horse care topic in every episode. Thanks for listening and enjoy the ride. I'm Heidi Malacco. I'm here with Julie Goodnight. And Julie, today we want to talk about fear. But specifically, you know, a lot of people come to you with this situation, and we know a few people from our riding friends who have gone through this, people that have ridden successfully in the past, and they've had a big injury, maybe their first time really falling and doing something catastrophic to their bodies coming off of a horse, and they want to get back into riding, but they're just not enjoying it. Uh, it's just a gripping fear. So... I know you get asked this all the time, but what advice, what's the best thing that you can help people to get back in the saddle and and actually overcome that when they have done this in the past, so they've had that element of success, and what do they do to get back there? Well, the first thing to realize is that it's perfectly normal to have some level of fear around horses. They're they're big, scary animals, and they're volatile. And um, so, you know, a little bit of fear is a good thing, and it mm-hmm. might, might make you more cautious and therefore safer. But when fear starts controlling your enjoyment, um, what you do and don't do with your horse, then and and starts making you unhappy, then. Um, then it's out of balance and it's a problem and, and it, and it is, uh, easy to solve. Well, maybe not easy, but possible to solve. Um, but it is something you have to kind of work at just a little bit. And I think that's an interesting concept. And I know you've written a bit about this on your blog in the past that there's something about riding in our connection. We want to get back to that. Uh, People would just say, well, you have fear, so just don't do that. But this is a specific incident where these people want to get back to what they had. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, sure. I mean, when, when people that used to have a wonderful time riding their horse and being with their horse and doing whatever sport they did, um, have some sort sort of situation or incident occurs and the fear develops. Some some people even doesn't even have to be an incident, just just a stage of their life changes and mm-hmm. they develop a uh, out of balance fear. Um, if it's after an injury, it's a perfect. It's an even more normal and more understandable and more biological reason. I mean, when you've had a physical or emotional injury then there are sort of scars there and, and you're kind of going to forever be reminded of that when you get in that situation again. Um, so it, knowing and understanding the emotion and how it affects you, affects you. and I think um, in the situation where uh, the person used to enjoy riding mm-hmm. and used to have a certain level of success, whatever, however she defines that or however you define that um, and then this fear takes over and you lose that enjoyment um, a lot of frustration and complicating emotions occur other than just fear and um, you're not only frustrated 
but you have this terrible sense of loss, which, um, you know, leads to a feeling of grief mm-hmm. and for having lost this activity that used to be so very important to you and from which you um, gained so much enjoyment. And um, so these complicated emotions, and then, and then if you're feeling a sense of grief um, and on top of that, you're starting to avoid writing and make up excuses and, um, you know, find anything to do other than write or, um, you know, just avoid the barn altogether. Um, then you start to develop a sense of guilt because you know you shouldn't be doing that. And, um, you know, you, you make up excuses, but in your heart of heart, you know you're just making up an excuse. And that the the fear is really what's stopping you, and so um, it's really important to own all of those emotions and and think it through. But as far as this feeling of loss and the sense of grief, um, that's the thing you need to let go of. Because however successful you were in riding in the past, you can be and you are capable of being just as successful today as you were then, assuming, um, you know, whatever healing had to take place right. is so. And um, so you haven't lost your knowledge. You haven't lost the skill. You just sort of temporarily misplaced it um, because the fear is, is overwhelming you a little bit. So uh, there's a saying that psychologists have that says fear plus grief equals debilitation. Mm-hmm. And um, so, it, basically, it's too much to try to deal with both of those emotions at once. And your sense of grief is unfounded because you still have the skill you had and you still have the knowledge that you had. Mm-hmm. So it's a fear that makes you feel like you're grieving that or if you stepped away from it and you're not doing that, you're feeling the grief, but really you can kind of cut that out somewhat more easily than the fear aspect. Is that a valid way to put that? Yeah, yeah, you can because um, it's, it's, it's a illegitimate emotion, let's say, because you have not lost your ability to enjoy horses. You've just got to get the fear in check. Um, so you're still the same person with the same skills. And um, so there's no reason to have grief. Grief, it, it's the fear you need to work on. When you work on the fear and it goes away, and it will, then the, gr- the sense of grief will have seemed foolish. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't need to grieve this. So sometimes you have to sort of just take a leap of faith and think through all of these things because what happens is sometimes people are feeling that grief, but they don't really, um, it doesn't come to their consciousness. They're just having all the symptoms of grief, but not really understanding what they're grieving. So identifying that and just by listening to this or just acknowledging what that is, you start to realize that that grief part of it, if you're just aware of it, you might be able to let that go. Right. So wait a minute. I still know know what I knew back when I was successful with right. my horse. 
And you can go through that in your mind, read some books about mm-hmm. it, remind yourself, yeah, I know that, I know that. You know, um, you can watch some video or whatever and say, well, I can do that, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so remind yourself, it's not, you didn't lose the, your skills and your knowledge. You just uh, have gotten overwhelmed by the fear. Mm-hmm. And that's causing it to seem like you lost all your ability. Right. So people get up on a horse and they choke up on the horse in fear or they sort of uh, become paralyzed in fear, then, um, you know, they they can't ride in that moment. But right. that's caused by the fear, not your inability to ride. Right. And so when you say focus on the fear and that you still know these things, you aren't necessarily advising that people go right back to what they were doing when the incident may have happened or to to face their greatest fear. You kind of talk about building back up to that confidence, and I think that's a big step because someone could listen to what we just talked about and say, well, that's just callous or, you know, you're just saying cowgirl up. So tell me, what what is your plan? What do you do to help people build confidence so that that's in a smaller step than just jumping back in full force well sure i mean you you have to work on this i know um dozens and dozens and dozens of people who have told me that they worked on this and by george they did it and and but you have to have a plan you have to think ahead and um you have to set about it slowly and deliberately mm-hmm. and, um, you know, not not have, um, not worry if you have a little setback. Does always be willing to go back and, and slow down and build your confidence some more. Um, but the plan I've talked about and written about so much is um, and have an uh, audio um, audio on is um, to, first of all, define where your comfort zone is and where it isn't. And when I say define your comfort zone, I mean the very specific moment at which you start to become nervous around your horse. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, and through monitoring your own biofeedback, um, and going about your horse routine deliberately, but paying close attention to your biofeedback and the butterflies in your stomach and the dry mm-hmm. mouth or any any mental um, disturbances. Um, and find the point at which you actually start becoming uncomfortable, becoming nervous. And that might be, like, you might say, if I say, well, where, where are you afraid of? You might say, well, I'm afraid of cannery. Um, but if you really set about your normal riding routine, um, you might find that even trotting was a little bit outside your comfort zone. Or actually, um, you know, when I, hmm. actually when I saddled my horse, I started getting a little bit nervous. And... Right. Um, so, chances are the uh, limits of your comfort zone are maybe a little bit 
um, sooner than you would think. But identify that exact moment. And then after, after you do that, the plan becomes very simple. Um, you're going to stay within your comfort zone as long as it takes to build confidence. And let's say your comfort zone was, uh, okay, I'm comfortable uh, catching my horse and saddle, grooming him and saddling him, cleaning out his feet. I'm comfortable um, walking around the arena, but as soon as I go to trot, I start right. kind of getting increasingly nervous. Okay, so that what that means is your new plan is you spend as long as you want in your comfort zone. So you go down, get your horse out, saddle him up, and walk around the arena and walk this way and walk that way and then put your horse away and come down every day and do that, just walking around the arena and um, stay within that comfort zone as long as you want until you're so sick and tired of walking around that arena, you want to trot. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to trot a little bit Pat yourself on the back, get off, put them away, go home, call your friend, tell them what an excellent thing you did, pat yourself on the back again, and um, do that again tomorrow. And so you're going to maybe, maybe your first goal was just to trot one time around the arena, and you're done, put the horse away. And then um, what happens pretty soon is now your comfort zone it, now you're comfortable up to the trot. And so now you're trotting. The next thing you're going to do is trot two times around the arena. The mm-hmm. next thing you're going to do is trot five times around the arena. And you're going to continue on about that. And you're going to stay at trotting one time around the arena for as long as it takes. It doesn't matter. It's really important that there's no schedule or time frame. And that any time you're not feeling up to it, just stick at the walk. or just groom your horse and, and do a little groundwork and put him away. Um, there's no time frame here, and, and you should never be afraid to do less because doing less, um, staying within your comfort zone, always builds confidence and um, or or lets you regain confidence. And then small ventures outside your comfort zone help you expand your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And this is going to take place not over hours or days, but over weeks and months, and maybe for some people more than a year. Um, But what happens is as your comfort zone expands, as you set about this deliberately, if you don't let setbacks get you down, you just say, whatever, every day can't be a perfect day. You know, there's always going to be good days and bad days. So... um, so that's just a temporary thing. If you have a little setback, go back, build some confidence, and then take a trip outside your comfort zone again. And as you, the farther invested you get into this, the more snowball effect there is in your comfort zone. So pretty soon you're like, okay, well, first I was just trying one time around. Now I'm trying two times around. Now it's five, you know. Now it's 20. And um, so people find, I get this, hear this feedback a lot that, at some point along this journey, you're sort of your old old self, your old confidence level pops back in and takes over. And um, so that's what we're trying to achieve in that plan. 
Mm-hmm. And it makes sense, Julie. I, I think I look at it as almost dismissing your old goals or expectations for yourself or the kind of the extraneous, the outside expectations and looking at it as just being okay with where you are now. And as soon as you're okay where you are, then you can go take some more different. pressure off. The more pressure you can take off, the better. And, and you know, that's, um, that's a really good hint for success, too, is don't let anybody else push you on this journey. Right. Um, don't, you don't need more pressure. This is already a lot of pressure. And, um, you know, a lot of times people have a riding instructor or a trainer that they're real comfortable with who has an intuitive sense about when to push you and when not to push you. Um, a supportive person, um, gently nudging you along the way is, is, not a bad thing, um, but if you're feeling pressure from your friends, your spouse, or um, or a trainer maybe that you're not so comfortable with, um, don't allow that to happen. Other people don't get to pile onto your stuff, so um, it's good to have um, supportive people around you. It's very, very good to share your plan and your goals with them. Um, but don't get in a hurry. And and on the other hand, when you do have a success, even if it's a little thing, um, celebrate it. Pat yourself on the back. Have a glass of wine to celebrate. Call your friend and tell them what you did. And it may seem like a little thing, um, but we need to sort of acknowledge our successes mm-hmm. as, as much as we do the setbacks. Sure, and that's that's quick, you know, Facebook posts when sometimes I laugh when people, you know, post something too personal, but it is a great resource sometimes when you just need to say, I cantered for the first time in a year, and then you have 40 likes really quickly right away, and it's just kind of that time <laughs> you do want the external feedback. Yeah, that, that's a great uh, great use of Facebook. That makes sense. Now, talk to me a little bit more um about some of the other things you can do to be kind to yourself and kind of some lifestyle adjustments that you might need to to make as you're going through what is a continued healing. So, you know, like in my case, I broke my wrist six years ago now or might have been a little bit longer than that. But, you know, it does take a little bit to figure out how to how to get back from that physically, physically you're healed, and then mentally. So how do you make sure that you're continuing the healing process with yourself? Well, this is hard, and and, um, and, it's, and it's a lot on your plate already to, um, to be able to get your emotions back in check and, um, and go about this plan. Um, but there are definitely some... Um, lifestyle things you can do that will help with your success. And um, there's a, a, a saying I always get a chuckle out of that uh, chemistry is a part of a calm focus. And um, so, you know, in other words, if you mm-hmm. stop by the 7-Eleven and got a big gold Mountain Dew and a right. bar right before you went to uh, 
take that writing lesson you've been dreading. You're already shaking uh, and you're nervous and then you really are shaking. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, in, you know, I think I'm in an age bracket too where health, personal health is becoming a greater and greater concern and awareness and um, eating right, making sure you're well rested, realizing that, you know, that there, a lot of us have stress in our life that uh, is present every day, um, some days worse than others. Right. If you're setting about to down to the barn to ride your horse and just riding him is a big challenge for you, um, pay attention to how you're feeling emotionally before you do it. Uh, did you just have a really bad day and uh, feel like you want to yell at somebody or <laughs> kick right. the dog or whatever? Um, then don't, you know, today's not the day to push yourself on your horse. Today's maybe a day to take a rain check, maybe just to get out and do some groundwork. Hang out or, yeah, or just groom him. And... Yeah, better yet, brush him and pet on him and, and take him on a walk and try to relieve some of that stress, not add to it. So, right. Um, and then on the days that you're feeling really great and everything's going good and the weather's great, those are the days to push yourself a little bit outside your comfort zone. And also um, fitness, I think, is, is really important. Sure. Um, I know for myself, I've, I've ridden professionally all my life since, um, since I was a kid. And I particularly, I did it, when I was riding 10 horses every day and cleaning stalls on top of that, I did not <laughs> that was a workout. <laughs> work out. But um, now I do. And um, I really, as I'm, uh, you know, in my mid-50s, I have to, continually work to keep my core strength strong because you use your your core strength so much in riding and balancing and moving with the horse. Um, so fitness is really important and fitness builds confidence. Whether you are perfectly fit and buff is not the issue. The issue is making an effort to get in better shape makes you feel better about yourself. Even after the very first time you work out, you feel better about yourself. And every time thereafter, and, you know, I, my workout buddies and I always laugh at, you know, what we love about working out is it feels so good when it's over. <laughs> and, um, but you do feel good after it's over because doing something that makes you stronger and healthier um, and improves yourself makes you feel better about yourself. Sure. Sure. So, and... That really makes sense, Julie. And part of that, it's it's goal setting in a new way. So maybe you aren't just doing what you used to do, but you can control and feel good about working out away from your horse. And then as you're working on your plan, you start to kind of put those two things back together with the physical workout being riding your horse more if that's what you did or that kind of thing. But I think a lot of this speaks to something I'd like you to talk about next is goal setting and as you're talking about this you know my injury I fell off a horse my friend's horse and um, broke my wrist and I have a plate and six screws in there and so I have my bionic wrist and it was it was a wake-up call for sure for me and so once the physical was done I'd ridden my whole life and this I'd fallen off before but I'd kind of more jumped off this was the first time I came off you know and I think one of the things that was really important to me was 
that goal setting, and I know you talk about this a lot too, controlling what you're thinking and kind of having some kind of mental patterns that you do before you get there. Can you talk a little bit about what you like to advise people about that? Sure. Well, there's there's a few different things. Um, one, um, probably the most basic, is that um, you you need to control the mental aspect of your being, and and you know there's the mind, body, and spirit connection, and or you can think of it as the mental, the physical, and the emotional connection. And um, one affects the other. You can't really separate those three parts of your being very well. And what's happening when you um, sort of devolve into this fearful paralysis on your horse is that the emotion of fear is overtaking your mental and physical being. And so... Uh, the first and the most basic part of that is to control the mental. Mm-hmm. And it's important to remember you, you do have control over what you think about. And the emotion of fear will take over your mental aspect right away. And you start thinking, oh, my God, what if my horse falls down? What if he bucks? What if he runs away? What if I get hurt? What if I have to miss right. And, um so those are all I call it mind pollution, and those that that's the emotion of fear taking over your mind. And so you need to ahead of the time plan what you're going to think about besides that. And everybody's a little bit different in what works for them. Um, the most basic thing you could do is sing a song, or Tell a movie. Uh, you know, I often ask people um, in that moment, tell me what's the last movie you saw. You're Now you're sitting up on your horse, you're walking around, and you're telling me about mm-hmm. this movie you saw. Um, or sing a song. You have to think of the words. You have to think of the melody. Um, so you start taking back control of your mind. Right. Um, the best thing of all, if it works for you, is visualization, positive visualization. Um, that's a technique... I use a lot for myself, both in right. skiing and riding. Um, and it, you need to uh, get some really positive images in your mind. Uh, maybe you're so lucky as to have video of yourself back when you were really, you know, taking a bull by the horns and you're riding and riding um, where you wanted to be. Or... Pick out a favorite rider around you or someone um, on the Olympic team. It doesn't matter. Just pick out an image and watch video and burn that image into your mind that this is when I say I want to be the perfect rider, this is what I mean. Mm -hmm. And if you can play that video in your mind as you set about to do this, it really makes a big difference. It does for me, anyway. I, I'm not sure it does for everybody, um, but if you can, uh, that's a great technique. If, if the most you can do is sing a song or, or tell somebody about a movie, then you should do that. Um, but think about uh, so controlling the mind um, comes first, and then the second part of your being is the physical, and that relates to your body language. And we all know how fear 
overtakes your body language. Sure. And then you're, next thing you know, you're, you know, a, a little balled up in a little fetal position on the floor in the corner. Um, and that, so the emotion starts taking over your body language. You, you tend to look down, use your, lose your focus. Uh, you move into sort of a forwarded, hunched position. Mm -hmm. um, that causes you, unfortunately, that causes you to grip with your lower leg and, and clench on the rein. Um, that causes great discomfort to your horse, so he gets irritable, which does not help your fear. And that's that, yeah. um, you know, just downward spiral. Um, so make sure that you control your eyes, you control your breathing, you control your posture. And even if you don't feel like it on the inside, you display a very positive posture and demeanor. Mm -hmm. um, and if the fear cannot overtake your mental aspect and it cannot overtake your physical being, then... Um, it is no longer in control. Right. So these and things really work. And um, they're real, hardcore, physical things that you can do every single day. You can do them right now. And, and, um, and Julia, they, they do work. And, you know, when I was really, I didn't have a fear of riding as much after I broke my wrist. I'm remembering back, it was more a fear of, not being able to do what I needed to do. <laughs> like, okay, this aspect of my life could then control the other things too. And how would I make money? Could I, would I lose my house? Like it was just a rambling of, of fear. And like you said, your mind gets out of control. And I had three specific rides from my past on three different horses that I would envision. If I knew I was going to ride later that day, I would actually think of those things when I got up in the morning instead of letting the worry get into my mind about what was going to happen or what would this horse do, I would, that mare I loved in college and what it was like to canter with her out in the field, I would just, like, play that like a movie in my mind. And another horse that I could ride without reins, and, you know, you just keep feeding out the reins until you were just riding with your seat and had ultimate control and, so I'd imagine that ride on a different horse. And, and those, the three rides that I envisioned, sometimes I still go back to those. If I just have a little moment of, oh, I've never done this before, never ridden past this. And it's such a great anchor because if you do have those pictures in your mind, you can take a breath and change your body and your posture and, and all of that piece of that too. So I love how you pull all of those things together because it, it really does work. It does, and it's great, it, you know, it's great that you have those images of yourself, but even if you don't, and even if, you know, well, maybe you're a person that has this fear and you're just starting out and you don't have sure. uh, much skill out at all, go find, uh, watch people ride and find a rider that you want to be just like. Right. I wish I were, I wish I could ride like that. Right. And burn that image into your mind because it will help you be a better rider, too, because um, chances are that image you burn into your mind is correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I felt that way, too. I'll watch a, a raining run or something and just think, 
oh, my gosh, their legs are just glued to that horse. How do they move like that? And then you, instead of feeling like you're, you know, discombobulated or separate from the horse, you do. You have that imagery, even if it wasn't you, of just sitting down tight and just not tight, but sitting down on the horse and just melding in and, and being in that position you want to be in. So that that's a valid, that's a very good point that it doesn't have to be you. All right. Well, I think those are, are really great tips, Julie. Thank you so much for all your advice. You're welcome. I'm Heidi Malacco. I'm here today with Desiree Johnson from Smooth Stride Riding Jeans. And Desiree, today I would love to have you walk us through the different styles of your jeans and then tell us about the sizing. Because I know that you have quite a bit of range in making sure that all riders can find the right fit. So let's start with that first. What are the different styles of riding jeans and who are the riders that fit best into those different styles? What kind of rider would wear each style? We have three different styles of smooth strides. We have the real riding jean plane, which has absolutely no micro suede. So then the second style is the extended knee patch. And this is a pat, this micro suede that uh, starts at the top of the knee uh, on the inside and goes all the way down to the hem. And then we have the full seat, which looks very much from the back like a full seat you see in the dressage britches. Sure. And then extends all the way down to the floor, to the hemline. And again, um, it's all washable and dryable. We have three different lengths. We have 31 inches, 33 inches, and 36 inches. Okay. So let's go back to the real riding jean. Tell me who would love that jean the most. Who's going to be riding in that and find that the, the best style that you have? Well, that's a good question. There are a couple different reasons I would feel that a gal would want a jean with no micro suede. One reason would be uh, temperature. The less microsuede, the cooler the jean. So if you live in a hot area, I would definitely suggest the real riding jean plane. And, and another reason is some gals don't want, they really don't want it to look like a riding jean. Mm -hmm. um, I know that a lot of Western styles, they don't want their jean to look like an English jean. You know, an English right. jean, they just want a blue jean. Just give me a blue jean and let me ride in it. And costs, they are the, the, the least expensive of all three. You also might choose that if you wanted to ride and then go into town and not feel like you look like you're wearing a riding jean, right? Exactly. Exactly, yes. But mm -hmm. it still has the features. It has no bulky seam on the inside. And, and what other features still would you consider making that a riding jean rather than a regular pair of jeans? There's no cross seam. So in the other two styles, you do have the patches that are in areas that are off the pressure points. They're very specially designed seams that won't interfere with riding at all. The special thing about the real riding jean plane, it is literally absolutely and utterly clean on the inside. Okay. And then on the extended knee patch, what did that one look like? The extended knee patch, I feel, would be wonderful for gals who want to not put on half chaps. For instance, I'm an English rider. I put my paddock boots on, and I don't have to ch put boots on and off at all. I don't have to put a ch half chap on, take it off. All I do is get on my horse, get off, and I'm absolutely fine. It's a, reinfor it's a, it's a bit of reinforcement for the calf bicep that protects against the stirrup leathers, and it gives you a little bit more stickiness there on your lower leg. Mm -hmm. um, it is, has a little bit more of a, a style flavor of, 
of equestrianism. You know, it, it, you can see it, and it's kind of flashy, but it's not as big as the full seat. Tell us about the full seat. Who wants to ride in that the most? The full seat, I discovered, covers two big, huge areas. Number one, some girls want a dress jean. They want a show jean. They want it to look like a riding jean. Sure. It's fancy. It's beautiful. It's sexy. You can go out, wear them out for an evening pants. They're just a real beautiful riding jean. And the second aspect is they, the, the nap in the tack for very active riders, barrel racing, um, raining, you know, girls' western dressage, the nap really does help. Um, now, the, nothing can replace, you know, the leg strength for staying on a horse, of course. But the, uh, you know, dressage britches have that little bit of leather. And after testing them myself, the little bit of nap really does help in the tack. Good. And they're warmer <laughs> for cold areas. They're That's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, definitely different seasons of the year. You want that extra, extra help and, and extra help to just keep you in the saddle, feel secure. Right. Thanks for listening to Julie Goodnight's Horse Master Academy podcast, presented by Smooth Stride Riding Jeans. Check out smoothstride.com and find them on Facebook to thank them for making this podcast possible. Also, be sure to visit juliegoodnight.com slash podcasts. For the full library of audio interviews, you can listen to in the car or at the barn. 